And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. And on today's show, what I plan to talk about is the great RV dream. Yeah, the great RV dream. And and many of you are saying, what what is the great RV dream? What what is that RV thing? Well, RV is well, it's it's letters. It's kind of an acronym, short for recreational vehicle. So why am I going to talk about recreational vehicles on today's show? Because I'm retired. I am retired. Do you understand that the entire recreational vehicle industry is is pointed towards two very distinct customer bases? Those people that are retired and those people that are not retired. Yeah, I mean those those are those are their two customer bases that they focus on. Now I happen to be in the retired category. So when RV dealers are marketing to me, what they're doing is they're trying to convey a different lifestyle for me, a lifestyle a little bit different than what I have. So what does an RV do for me that I can't do for myself? Well, it allows me to drive around in a very big, maybe uncomfortable vehicle and pull my house behind me so that no matter where I go, I will have a place to stay. Now, I was, I was talking to Rick, my producer, before the show, and he said, you know what? I've never been in an RV, and I, th- and I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing. And I, and I thought, what do you, how, do you, how do you vacation, Rick? And he goes, well, I just rent a hotel. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of convenient and kind of easy. So why, why the whole RV trend? Well, the whole RV concept is you get in this RV, you can go anywhere you want in the continental United States, and you can stay anywhere you want. And if there's no hotel available to you in maybe the more rugged parts of the United States, you have a built-in hotel. You have brought your hotel room with you. And more importantly, it's not really a hotel room because you don't have to worry about checking out at you know 10 a.m. Depending on what you're doing, you, you could check into an RV park, or you could check into a national park, or you could just literally stay in a on the side of the road. I mean, I, I don't know if that's legal or not. It's probably not safe, but you could do that and you could have a place to sleep, a place to spend the night. You don't have to pitch a tent. You don't have to sleep under your vehicle. You could sleep in your RV and you could have all the creature comforts of home. Now, one of the things the RV industry likes to do is they like to sell retirees like me on the concept that you can get out there and you can explore. You can see something different than what you see on a daily basis from where you live. You could see different parts of the United States. You could not be chained where you're living. You can go out and explore. And I think that's a pretty cool concept because one of the things that hits you when you become retired is you kind of go, well... Here I am. I don't have to go to work anymore. So I spend the majority of my time where I live. And, and maybe that could get a little boring. So that, that pitch of an RV kind of sounds pretty cool. So why am I talking about RVs on a real estate investor radio show? Here's why. Tina and I, we kind of got the RV bug a little bit. Just a little bit. Not a lot bit, but a little bit. And, I, and I'll, full disclosure, 
I have owned an RV in the past. When my kids were younger, I owned a 29-foot travel trailer with a big 14-foot slide out, and it was perfect for a family of four. And at that time, I was in the other category that RV the RV industry targets, I was in that category of, well, I'm still working for a living. So when I go out to RV, I want to do it on the weekends. I, I'm not going to live full time in the thing. I'm not going to go for two or three weeks at a time. I'm not going to be, basically, I'm not going to be Andy Webb. And I'm not just going to say, hey, honey, why don't we just jump in the RV, grab the kid, and let's go tour the entire East Coast of the United States. Okay, so when when you're working, that's that's kind of a bridge too far. But you can jump into that RV and you can go to your favorite campsite. You can go to your favorite lake. You you can go explore some place and have a little representation of your home with you. So I kind of enjoyed having an RV when I was younger. And there was a time period when I was in the military where I was a geographical bachelor, where I wound up living in my RV because I my family was in one place. I was reassigned to a place five hours away. It was, it was, the cost of living was ridiculous. It was all in California. I couldn't afford to have two different places to live. So I had an RV, so I figured, well, I'll live in the RV. And it just so happened that the installation that I worked at had a small RV park, and I could rent space in that RV park, and I kind of made things you know, work. But one of the things that I took away from living in my RV full-time, especially by myself, was that it was kind of lonely. It was kind of boring. So I kind of moved away from that RV mindset. But over the weekend, Tina and I had the opportunity to go to the San Antonio RV show. And we were kind of curious because we've been exploring different opportunities, different things that possibly we can do with our retired time. There's still that, that desire in the back of my mind to go out and explore the country. Because of all 50 states that are out there, I have not visited all 50 states. I have probably visited maybe, I don't know, let's 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 shoot for a number and say 65%. So there's 35% of the United States of America that I haven't even put my toes in. And and that's kind of on my bucket list. It's something I want to do. So one way to do that is to go get an RV and explore the country, right? And with an RV, you basically are bringing your hotel room with you, and your hotel room is configured the way you like it. You don't have to worry about finding a hotel room that's a little bit too small or a little bit too dark, or maybe it's a little too close to the freeway, or maybe you're too close to the pool or, or whatever, right? And and maybe they only have it for one night, and you got to move out, and then you got to go to another hotel. Yeah, that, that can be problematic, right? But with an RV... You don't have those problems. Kind of sounds like I'm trying to sell you on RVing, doesn't it? Well, I'm not trying to sell you on RVing. What I'm trying to do is is walk you through the mental gymnastics of what I walked through when I went to the RV show. So Tina found a fifth wheel trailer. Now, we were kind of looking for a truck camper, meaning the camper sits on the truck. And the reason we were looking for a camper that sits on a truck is because we also are interested in potentially buying a boat um, because we, we that's kind of the lifestyle that, that we love. I enjoy fishing, so I like getting out in the ocean. I like getting out on the lakes. And, you know, there's, there's actually a boat out there I was going to buy. I chose not to buy it because it didn't make financial sense to me. And partially because I knew that my, my body was breaking down and I was going to not only go through the surgery I just went through, but I have another surgery on the other arm that I've got to take down in a couple of months. So literally the, the whole year of 2024 for me is going to be locked into 
making my body recover. So I'm going to use that time to invest in real estate and to look at different avenues that can be sources of entertainment for myself because I don't work anymore. So I've, I've regained control over my life. And with that control, I want to have fun things to do in my life. I enjoy having fun. And after 27 years in the United States Army, I didn't find that 100% of my time was devoted to having fun. Yeah, you don't necessarily have a lot of fun when you're serving in the United States Army. Now, there are some fun things that occur, but it's not 24-7 fun. It's not. And and I'm sure where you work is not 24-7 fun either. You probably have some fun moments, but not everything you do is exciting or stimulating or is something that you desire to do. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're at the RV show and Tina's, Tina's got... Well, she's just got gold-plated taste. I mean, this this is a woman that could look at, at three different commodities, and she could immediately pick out the most expensive one without knowing anything about the commodity. Yeah, that's that's the way she rolls because she's she's got kind of a a, a gold-plated taste. I don't know if I just offended my wife or not, but. That's just the way she is. So she found this this fifth wheel RV. Now, we weren't even looking for fifth wheel RVs because, like I said, we were looking for a, a truck mounted camper type of thing because that's that's what we were thinking about. And anyhow, we decided to look in some of the fifth wheels. And, and man, some of those fifth wheels are really nice. Now, I'm not going to tell you the brand that she found that she really likes because I'm not promoting anybody. But this particular fifth wheel it was laid out really, really nice, and it was apportioned really, really nice, and, and it had things in it that made her go, wow, this is like home. It had a stackable washer and dryer. It had a dishwasher. I mean, it had all the things of home. It was spacious. It was roomy. It was, it was, it was laid out differently than most fifth wheels. What, what they did was they took the, in, the entire living room area, and they put it in the back of the RV, and in the center of the RV— that's where the, the, the cooking area was, et cetera, et cetera, uh, kitchen, dining area, whatever. And then in the very front of the RV, that's where the living quarters were at. And it, and it was all laid out pretty nice. And what she liked about it was it was it was kind of partitioned off. So you literally had three different living spaces the way this thing was organized. And she liked that because she likes being able to like go into her quiet place and, and just do what she wants to do without being bothered by noises coming from the other room so this this rv was like right up her her wheelhouse and then we looked at the price of the rv and even after show specials this thing was still going to be like one hundred ninety thousand dollars. and when you add the sales tax and everything onto that we're already looking at two hundred thousand dollars for the rv now the thing about the rv is it's just an rv it doesn't come with a tow vehicle yeah, because it's a fifth wheel trailer, which means you're going to have to go out and buy a tow vehicle. And if you've looked at the pricing of trucks lately, the pricing of trucks is ridiculous. And just to get the tow vehicle that would provide the, the minimum amount of creature comforts, because you think about it, you're going to be in this truck a good portion of the time towing that RV, your hotel room behind you, right? So what did we figure the price of the truck would be? We figured the price of the truck to be right in the neighborhood of about $100,000 after taxes. So what we were looking at is potentially an investment 
in a vacation. Now, let's be that very, very clear about what the, the investment would be in, because we would be buying assets that are depreciating assets. In other words, they go down in value over time because they tend to wear out. We're looking at $300,000. And I thought to myself, what could I do with $300,000 that wouldn't lose me money? And I immediately thought about real estate. When we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you about what I found. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. Lifestyles Unlimited success stories. If you got laid off tomorrow, what would you do? Would you have to be working at McDonald's or wait to try and find another job with the downsizing the economy? Kept on coming to meetings, even with David Fisher online and stuff like that, but still we just like, we need to make the jump. So we kept praying for time to get this job done to, to be able to find the properties how do we find the properties how do you find the time and god answered our prayers and he got downsized from his corporate job this house was a dog and through the rehab i think we turned it into a little pony you bought the house for seventy three thousand dollars correct and your appraised value actually is a hundred and forty four thousand dollars you put in 45 for the work so that leaves you a net equity of eleven thousand with a return on capital gain of 70%. The cash flow is $458 a month for a cash on cash return rate of 35%. In person and online learning dates at lukstudy.com. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the second half of the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. And Tina and I, over the weekend, weren't really working on our financial freedom. We were really working on what do we want for our lifestyle when we went to the RV show. And Tina found the perfect combination. She did. She found a fifth wheel trailer that she could live with. And she was like, wow, I actually like this thing, which which totally changed the dynamics of what we had gone there to look for in the first place. Is, is that ever happened to you with your spouse? Does your does your spouse say, I want one thing? And then you go to look at the one thing and you find a different thing. And the different thing is like, wow, that's really cool. I got to have it. Yeah. OK. So what I, and I'm not picking on Tina. I'm just saying that's just the way things kind of work out, because what can happen is you can go in, you can look at something and you can get a result. And then with that result, you may change the parameters of what you're looking for, because in our case, the the truck camper, well, it just it just came, seemed very small, very compact. And my wife doesn't want to be in a very small and very compact thing. So. If we were going to RV, she would probably want that that nice fifth wheel RV. And then, of course, we'd have to have the right truck, because even though I own a truck right now, it's not the size of truck necessary to pull the size of RV that we were looking at. We would need something like a, a Ram 3500 or a Chevy 3500 or a Ford 350 or maybe a 450 to, to pull this thing because the dry weight of the trailer was, I don't know, something around 17, 5, 18,000 pounds. And what we have right now is an F-150. It's rated for, I don't know, something like 10,700 pounds, but that ain't enough. That ain't enough to pull that RV. So if we were going to go down this road of buying this RV, we would have to dip into our pockets and we would have to pull out money. Now, some of you, some of you would say, well, Al, I bet you as, as, an, as a real estate investor, you have pretty decent credit and you would be right. I have 
excellent credit. I'm, I'm in that, what, that 800 zone. So, you know, essentially what I could do is I could go out and buy the RV. I could go out and buy the tow vehicle. I could spend the 300000 It'd probably be more than $300,000 because we haven't even talked about equipping the RV and getting all the, the extra stuff that you need in order to make the RV you know, a home. I mean, you, you've got to outfit the RV. You've got to get the necessary towing equipment. You've got to get the necessary safety equipment. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, plus, you, you have to have a place to store it. Now, fortunately for me, where I live, I have acreage and I have a place where I could store the vehicle. But if I didn't, I would have to factor in a cost to rent a space somewhere where I could put the RV. So there's there's two options I could have. And let's let's say we're dealing with about three hundred thousand dollars, okay? Because that's that's kind of the the price point that I I came up with for the cost of doing this RV thing. We could either a pay all cash, in other words, three hundred thousand dollars would go right out of the Gordon coffers and would go into assets that depreciate, go down in value over year over year. And what that means is the three hundred thousand dollars is worth less over time. So what, what does that mean? Well, if they depreciate over a five-year schedule, you could probably do the mental math. Take take 300000 divide it by five, and, and you get what? $60,000 per year? So a $300,000 quote-unquote investment would net you a value of about $240,000 after year one. After year two, you see where I'm, where I'm going? It goes down to 180, and then it goes down to, what, 120, and then it goes down to 60, and then it goes down to it really isn't worth anything after about five years. That's not a good investment unless you're investing in full-time vacationing. If you're investing in full-time vacationing, well, maybe maybe that makes sense for you. But you also have to look at what if I had spent that $300,000 somewhere else? What if I had bought an asset that actually pays me five different ways? I'm talking about real estate. Now, you could buy the real estate asset, and it doesn't necessarily solve your vacation problem, other than the fact that the asset would produce cash flow for you, and you could use that cash flow to pay for your vacationing dreams. Now, one month's worth of cash flow may, may, may not produce enough money for you to go out and have the vacation that you want, but maybe a year's worth of cash flow could do it for you. So the question you have to ask is, what, what exactly are you in the market for? Are you in the market to buy an RV that's probably going to sit on your property for the majority of the time and not get used? Or are you in the market for buying a real estate asset that is going to get used? It's going to be used by the resident that you put into the property. They're going to live there, and they're going to pay you about one-third of what they make every month, and that translates into cash flow for you. Now, there's, there's a duplex that came across my desk over the weekend, and ironically— the value of that duplex is $320,000. That means all fixed up, it's worth $320,000. Now, you're not going to pay $320,000 for, for that asset. You could actually buy the asset for $125,000. Now, you're probably thinking, wow, Al, that's like, what, 39% of value? That's, there's got to be something inherently wrong with this property. And there is. This property is in very, very bad shape. This property is going to take about $142,500. It's actually going to take more money to do the rehab than it's going to cost you to buy the property. 
But when you buy the property for $125,000, you do the rehab valued at about $142,500, and you cover the closing and holding costs of about $10,000, you're actually doing really well because you're capturing equity in the asset of about $42,500. What, what does that mean, capturing equity? It means that you're going to buy the property at wholesale pricing. You're going to fix it up. It's uh, Granted, it's going to take a lot of money to fix this thing up, but you're going to fix it up, and your all-in cost is going to be $42,500 less than what the actual value or the appraised value of the asset is in the marketplace. So what I'm getting at is your $320,000 asset, that's what it's worth all fixed up, you're not paying a full $320,000 for it. You're actually paying $277,500. Just doing the mental math for you. So the difference between that two seventy-seven five and that three twenty is the $42,500 of additional equity that you put into the property. Now, some of you are concerned because I threw out some big numbers. You're going to pay $125,000 to buy it. You're going to do $142,500 in rehab. You've got $10,000 in closing and holding costs. Man, that, that's still $277,000. Yeah, but, but think about this. That is if you buy it and you use just cash to buy it and rehab it. Now, as a Lifestyles Unlimited member, I'm going to tell you that's, that's a dumb way to do it. It's, it's not the smart way to do it. You need to leverage the purchase. You need to leverage the rehab. You need to learn how to do these things. And at Lifestyles Unlimited, we will teach you the nuts and bolts of how to leverage those things. But think about it for a minute. I was just talking about buying an RV and a tow vehicle that was going to cost me in the neighborhood of around $300,000. But now I'm talking about buying an asset that's going to cost me in the neighborhood of what? What did I say? 2775? Okay, 2775. So, if I had $300,000 worth of cash available to me, what's the better purchase? And I'm going to tell you the real estate is the better purchase. If I were to buy the RV before I bought the RV, I would buy real estate. That way I knew that I had income coming in that it would pay for the RV adventure. Does that make sense? When you're a real estate investor, you start looking at things a little bit differently. You start understanding that you can delay your gratification to a later date, but you can still have what you desire. The key thing is you just have to figure out how to pay for it. So, I was talking to you about this duplex that's out in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and the after repair value of this thing is $320,000. It's a little bit more than what it would cost me to buy the RV. Even if I paid all cash, instead of paying $300,000 for an RV, I spent, say, $277,500, paid for this property all cash, did everything all cash. I would have an asset that would pay me, in the cash flow realm, more money than I needed to buy the RV. I could actually go out and buy the RV, and with the cash flow that came off of the asset, I would be able to pay for the RV. Does that make sense? But there's a problem, because if I were to buy just one asset with that money, I'd have all my money in one asset, and I don't want all my money in one asset. I like to spread my money out across multiple assets. So I'm diversifying based on location, which is 
you know, if, if you're going to diversify, the, o- the only way I would suggest you diversify in real estate is to do it just the way I, I explained it to you. That way, if one area gets impacted, let's say a hurricane lands or something, or well, actually there wouldn't be any hurricanes in, in the desert. But let's say in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I don't know if they have, uh, what do they call those, tornadoes up there? Let's say a tornado came through after I bought the property and wiped the property out. I'm still covered by my other assets that didn't get wiped out because they're not all in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Does that make sense? All right, let me get back to this duplex though. This duplex, I'm not going to spend all cash on. I'm not going to do it. And the reason I'm not going to do it is because I've been trained by people much smarter than me that that is a dumb practice. Because by putting all of my money into one asset, all of my money is in one asset. And the other thing that I'm not doing is I'm not leveraging other people's money. Leveraging other people's money is very significant because it helps you to get greater rates of return based on the investment dollars you put into the asset because you're bringing in dollars from other areas. So we're going to put a loan on this property. As a matter of fact, we're going to use two types of loans. We're going to use a hard money loan to buy the asset and do the majority of the repairs because the hard money lender is willing to give us 70% of the after repair value and we can use it for acquisition and for repairs. When that money runs out, then we have to contribute our own cash. If we were to buy this asset in Chattanooga, Tennessee, what I'm estimating is that our cash out of pocket would be about $53,000, basically one-sixth of what it would be if I were to buy that RV and pay all cash for it, right? Okay, so $53,000 goes into this asset in Chattanooga, Tennessee. The cash flow that this asset will produce is projected at $1,077 per month. It means annualized, I'm making about almost $13,000 per year. I kind of like the idea of making $13,000 per year as opposed to buying myself a hotel room that I'm going to drag around with me behind a truck that I really don't need. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm just being serious with you. And here's the other thing. If I buy this asset for $53,000 and let's say my war chest is $300,000, I have $300,000 that's available for me to go out and spend. If I had five more of them and they were paying me $1,077 per month, how much money am I bringing in? I'm bringing in well over $6,000, well over $6,000. And then I could go buy that RV. And even if I leveraged the RV 100%, I would have more cash flow coming in from these types of assets that covers the expense of the RV. Are you starting to see how, as a real estate investor, I tend to look at things a little bit differently? Now, Tina and I decided, after going to the RV show, that $300,000 was just way too much money to spend on vacationing. Because the reality of it is, I've already bought Tina her dream home. We live in a beautiful 40, what is this, 4,600 square foot house. We live on three and a half acres on a, on a creek. Where I live is peaceful. Where I live is quiet. I have all kinds of wildlife that, that comes through my property. So when you, when you look at this duplex, even if we injected $53,000 into this property, we're still picking up an additional $42,500 of equity. That's almost $100,000 of equity into the property. It's pretty cool. And, and what it does for us is it produces $1,077 per month in cash flow, 
when you annualize that, you're getting almost $13,000 per year. Again, the cash-on-cash return is 24.38% just on the cash-on-cash. The return on capital gains is still significant. It's, it's over 80%. An 80% return on capital gains, and you factor that by taking the net equity you capture, and you divide that by the cash out of pocket. So the question I have for you is this. What are you invested in that's giving you a return on investment year over year? And I'm here to tell you, I'm not sure you're invested in the same stuff that I'm invested in. And I guarantee you, if you go out and buy that RV like Tina and I were considering, you would not be getting a 50% return on investment based off of that RV. If you want to do what I'm doing, you want to do what the 50,000 members of Lifestyles Unlimited are doing, go to lifestylesunlimited.com. Sign up for the free workshop and let's get you going. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit lifestylesunlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at Lifestyles lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.